All right. Well, um, for those of you guys that are visiting here, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you guys. Have you guys had a good time in church so far? I, I mean, it's just been an incredible team. You guys did an amazing job. <clears throat> and uh, uh, just one real quick announcement. Uh, that was actually John Kelly's last time leading worship on stage. Uh, next week, he was preaching. I'm, we're swapping. I'm going to be leading worship. He's going to be preaching. That's his last Sunday. Uh, so uh, uh, make sure that you're here uh, to celebrate uh, his, his 16 years of ministry here and his new chapter of where, where he's going to be going. So make sure that you're here for that. Um, we are finishing up our series today. Um, called Move to the Right, and like we said before, has nothing to do with politics. It's about simplifying and clarifying the process of moving from unbeliever to fully committed disciple of Jesus. That's kind of confusing for a lot of people, and so we wanted to make it as simple as possible. It's not easy. We wanted to make it simple. Difference between simple and easy, okay? Um, so we want to make that path as clear as possible. If you guys, there's a poster back there. Also up here on the screen is our graphic about the five categories. We've got the casual, we've got the crowd, we've got the community, the core, and the committed. And the casual are people that are not affiliated with our church at all. They may have visited once, but they really have no connection, okay? And moving from the casual to the crowd means you come back to church. You come to church twice, you're automatically in the crowd, okay? That's an easy step to do. The crowd is people that have been to church at least twice, may have some connection with our church, and then moving to the right, they move to the community. That's when they, uh, that's when they join our church. If you've never been baptized, be baptized. Uh, commit to a community group. Start involving your life in, in, in the family of the church. That's a community. That's kind of the member level. And then as you move to the right, the core means that you begin serving. You begin serving in children's ministry, a youth ministry, or worship team, or, or uh, ushering, or greeting, or tech team. Or you begin serving in a, in a, in a, in a ministry of our church, maybe our foster care ministry, or, or our uh, fathers in the field ministry, or the uh, however many other ministries we have. You start serving there, and you can be counted on to fill. Uh, I think you're, you're regular. You can be counted on and then moving to the right, committed, you become a leader. You become maybe an elder. God calls you to ministry. Um, you get a, a, a personal ministry outside of the church. And so, and, and the guys, the core and the committed go back to the casual and the crowd and they make disciples and they say, kind of like what you saw up here, Renee and Heather, uh, they, they begin reaching back and discipling and helping other people move to the right. That's how the church works. And we need all five categories. We can't have just all casual. We can't have all crowd. We can't have all community. That's an imbalanced church. We need all five types of people in this church constantly moving to the right. And so we're talking about the last one, the core and the committed together. Um, Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there's no vision, the people perish. If you don't have a vision for where you are going and what you are doing in life, you're going to perish. Okay? And so moving from the community to the core and the committed like, uh, what does it mean to move that? Well, the question is, uh, is, is not just um, what does it mean to be in the core and committed, because there's one thing the people in the core and the committed have to have, and it's called courage. Okay, and I'll explain why. All right, courage. Now, courage is basically being scared but being faithful anyway. That's what courage is. Being courageous doesn't mean that you're not scared. Being courageous doesn't mean you don't doubt. It's through the fear and the doubt, you're faithful anyway. 
That's, a, that's what courage is. And so um, when, when leaders lead, they have to have a vision. They have to have a vision for that courage and how do we implement that. Vision is the picture of the future that arises a passion within you. And to be in the core and the committed, you have to have a vision. You have to have a, 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 a passion, a picture of a passion that a picture that rises passion within you. And I, my vision is this. My passion is this. This quote: Doing our jobs well as pastors and leaders mean mainly bringing more and more people among more and more peoples to know God and delight in Him above all things. That is my vision. That's what I want for this church. I want people in this church to know God better than they know anything. Delight in Him more than anything. Okay, delight in Him. So there are inward qualities of people that move from the community to the core and the committed. There are inward qualities. The first inward quality is this. They're passionate about truth. In order to be in the core and the committed, you have to be passionate about truth. Now, the definition of truth is that which corresponds to reality. That's what truth is. Okay? Mark 12, 30 through 31. Jesus tells us this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. All right? Uh, leaders, core and committed, are people that keep the church focused on the essentials, which is loving God and loving people. They keep people focused on that truth. Um, most church fights and splits don't occur over the essentials. I've never seen a church fight over whether God is God or Jesus is the Son of God. I've never seen that. Uh, uh, most church fights and splits um, uh, it do not happen over whether or not we're called to make disciples. They don't happen over whether or not Jesus was resurrected. Um, what causes disunity in the church is things that most often aren't essential. Someone likes the way pastor so-and-so preaches better than other pastor so-and-so. Someone thinks money should be spent over here and another disagrees. Uh, they're, they're things that just are not important. They're not essential. They don't have anything to do with loving God and loving people. And so leaders, the core and the committee are people that keep the church focused on what is true, what is right, okay? Uh, leaders are people who know that the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. Courageous leader is someone who's passionate about the truth, willing to sacrifice comfort, security, prestige, social standing, finances in order to achieve it. We need core and committed people in this church who aren't swayed with what is popular, what is cool, what will get you clicks on social media. We need core and committed people who, who take their cues from the word of God, not from what is popular out in the world. Speaking the truth of the Bible is a revolutionary act in our, in our country now. And we need people who are not afraid to speak it. Remember that George Orwell said, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. And if you are not passionate about the truth of the gospel, you will not be able to withstand when people hate you for speaking the truth. That's why we need courage. When you teach in children's ministry or youth ministry, you core and committed people. You aren't teaching pop psychology or what would get you applause on social media. You teach the word of God. Because that's what, truth, that's what truth is. The second inward quality of a, of a core and committed is this. A passion about being the example. I, I ask the question, uh, what does the church need most? And there are a lot of great answers, and probably a lot of them are true, but my answer to that is we need people to be examples. We need people who, who, can, who can lead by example, people that demonstrate their faith day in and day out, 24-7 in the church for people to, 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 people to follow. And they, we need people that aren't afraid of the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, that says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That scares a lot of people. But, the, but Paul said, imitate me. I want you to follow my example because I'm following Jesus, and that's what the church needs. That's what church is in desperate need of. When I was a kid, 
Uh, I was passionate about finding people that were better than me at everything. And there were a lot of people, believe me, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to find th- people that were better than me at everything. I found every video, VHS, VHS, of Pele and Diego Maradona to try to imitate because they were the best soccer players in the world. And I tried to imitate them because they were better than me and I wanted to follow them. I found every VHS of Getty Lee and Flea, the great bass players that inspired me. And I tried to imitate what they would, because I wanted to follow their example. I constantly found people that were better than, at me than the things and I followed them. And guys, in the church, we need that too. How many of us my goodness, how many of us people my age and, and maybe even younger than me, if we had had that example of what it means to follow Jesus, how many, how many terrible decisions could we have avoided? How much heartache, how much pain could we have avoided if we had had that example to follow of what it means to follow Jesus? Imagine that. Well, you have a chance to be that for someone else. Okay, when the examples of courage in the church... <clears throat> All right, the catalyst, one of the biggest criteria we use for selecting elders is do we want people to be like you? The people that are elders right now, Mike Maggard, Jerry Phelps, Adam Tipton, Bud Burdett, I ask very simply, do we want a bunch of Bud Burdettes running around this church? <laughs> he got a vote from his wife. Now that's impressive, okay? Yeah, do we want a bunch of Mike Maggards? We want a bunch of Jerry Phelps's. We want a bunch of Adam Tiptons running around this church. The answer is overwhelmingly yes. Because I want people in this church to react to things the way they react to. I want people to lead like they, react, like they lead. I want people to be counted on like they can be counted on. They are the example. They're the best examples that we, that, that we have. And that's, what, that's the main criteria for being an elder in this church. Okay? Do I want people of Catalyst to pray like they pray, to respond to stress like they respond to stress? Do I want people of Catalyst to imitate them as they imitate Christ? And the answer is a big yes. I've been in elder meetings with men that had no business leading a dog on a leash, let alone a church. Prior to Catalyst, I've been in elder meetings where profanity flies freely, where tempers are lost, insults and criticism are the norm. I've been the target of a lot of that. How horrible. And that's who's leading the church? Well, no wonder the church is in the shape it's in. When you look at the leadership, leaders must be the example, all right? Must be the example. John Piper says this, the Christian leader must ruthlessly examine his life to see whether he is the least bit enslaved by television, alcohol, coffee, golf, video games, fishing, laziness, pornography, good food. Spiritual leaders ruthlessly track down bad habits and break them by the power of the Spirit Spiritual leaders long to be free of everything that hinders their fullest delight in God and service to others. If you're going to be in the corn committed, that is our, that keeps us up at night. That's why the Bible says not many should presume to be leaders. It takes courage to be the example. I can't emphasize how important being the example is. <clears throat> look around you. Just take a look around you. More than one quarter of this church is under the age of 18. Probably another quarter is under the age of 30. And people have said that, people that everyone says don't come to church, well guess what, they're in our church and we're glad you're here. They aren't looking for entertainment and fun and ice cream. They're looking for something real, something that lives and breathes in people's lives and they want a piece of it. I teach a parenting class on Wednesday nights and everyone's younger than me. 
I lead a men's small group on Friday mornings through my book, and, and, and they're all in their early 20s, one guy in the 30s. Why? They're looking for entertainment. They're looking for example. Someone who is living what they want to live. Someone who will show them by their life what it means to follow Jesus. And if they don't see that, church, they're gone. They're out the door. It's amazing. See pastors in churches wringing their hands saying, how do we reach the young people? And they try everything, every type of cool new gimmick, every entertainment, and everything instead of challenging the church to be the example of what these young people can be. How about that? How about we reach the young people by being the example for what a Christian man or a Christian woman, a Christian husband, a Christian wife, a Christian grandparent looks like 24-7? Why don't we say to the the quarter of our church under the age of 18, hey, young people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's how you reach the young people because that's what they're looking for. The third inward quality of the core committed is passion about Christ. They're passionate about truth, passionate about being the example. Third, we're passionate about Christ. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, this is Paul talking, I did not come with the eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while it was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came in to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The core committed person's life must boil down to one thing, Jesus Christ, Jesus alone. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a guy that handed out good advice. He is the living, breathing son of God, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. And our lives boil down to that one thing. The courageous leader, life boils down to one statement, influencing everything else. And I know quoted Piper a lot, but he inspires me. He, he was an example to me, and I love this statement. How shall I study? How shall I teach? How shall I write? How shall I live? What will be my vigilance regarding television in the privacy of my room? Will I rise early enough to pray concerning the magnitude of truth that is at stake in the world so as to help people know God better than they know anything and delight in God more than they delight in anything? Man, that's awesome stuff. What a challenge. Is that you today? Do you ask yourself that hard question? How shall I live so that Jesus looks amazing? The way I speak, the way I lead my family, the way I conduct my business, the way I treat people, the way I work, the way I spend money, the profession I'm in, everything. Will this bring glory to Christ? That's what the core and committed person's life is obsessed with. All right? Let's bring glory. Will this shout to the world that Jesus is better than anything? Guys, I've been married for 27 years now. And God has been good. I've been a father for 24 years, and God has been good. All that time, for the last 27 years, I've been part of a family. I've been part of a family my whole life, but when that, my new family was created on June 29th, 1996, I've gotten alone and asked God, God, are you pleased with my life? God, are you pleased with my family? God, are you pleased the way I treat my wife? God, are you pleased with the way I parent my children? God, are you pleased with my life? When people see my family, do they know that God is great? Do they know that you are great? When people see me, do they know that you're great? When, 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 I, when they see me with my children, do they know that your word is supreme? 
Ask the questions. We're passionate about Christ. God, is your name made great by the way I live, by the home I'm responsible for? And here, the question that I want us all to ask, God, when people see Catalyst Christian Church, do you look great? When people see us, God, do you look great? That's what the core and the committed people are obsessed with. Courageous leaders, you guys, core and committer, passion about truth, passion about being the example, passion about Jesus Christ. Those are the inward qualities of, of the core and the committed that we need to be in those, in those categories. And those transmit, translate to outward qualities. The first outward quality is this. Because you're passionate about truth, because you're passionate about being an example, because you're passionate about Jesus Christ, number one, you're restless. You're restless. Uh, Corn-committed people look restless. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All right, they're always looking ahead. They're never content with what happened in the past. They're not looking at, 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 at victories in the past. They're looking at victories in the future. They're restless. They're never happy with the way things are okay never content with business as usual constantly asking how can we do better how can we how, how can we follow christ more thoroughly how can i lead these people in a better way what needs improvement i've been i shared this with the elders this morning in our prayer time by the way the elders get together and we pray for you all every sunday morning we pray over our property we pray over the volunteers we pray over if you're visiting today you are prayed for this morning did you know that we ask God to bless you this morning. We, and, and elder prayer time today. Speaking about being restless. The last two weeks, I'm gonna share something that God's doing in my life. The last two weeks is really strange. God has led me to pray that we are a two-service church. And it hasn't gone any further than that. He said, I want you to pray that Catalyst becomes a two-service church. Needless to say, that didn't set well with me, because we've been a two-service church before, and I didn't like it. What, you know what I like? I like having everyone together. I like having the community together. I don't like people in the first service not knowing people in the second service and vice versa. I don't like that. I have no problem preaching. I'll preach as many times as God gives me an audience, okay? I'll preach 10 times a day if God puts 10 group crowds of people in front of me. I'll do, that's not a problem, but I don't like two services, that's not me. I don't like that. But guess what, guys? This is not my church. This is God's church. And if he wants me to pray that we become a two-service church, maybe he's not happy with the thousands of people in our county alone that have no church home, that have no relationship with him. Maybe he's concerned about them, and he wants Catalyst to be a part of reaching those thousands. In order to do that, we're going to have to be a two- or three-service church. Guys, that, that is something we, we cannot be okay with the way things are. Leaders, core, committed, they're restless. They're always asking, God, what's next? And if God wants us to shatter our good time of being here together in one service, which I love, so be it. Because it's his church and it's his will, not mine or yours. Okay? What if God wants to bring two or 300 more people to this church? What if God wants people saved and wants Catalyst to be a part of that? We better be a part of that. 
We will not be the ones that stop the move of God by saying, no, we like things the way they are. Okay? Because we're restless. Second thing, second outward quality of a leader after being restless, they're energetic. Core and committed people are energetic. Okay? John 2, 17 Zeal for your house will consume me. They're energetic. All right, the people who condemned and crucified Jesus, to their credit, they never accused him of being boring. That was not what was written by Pontius Pilate, boring. No, 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 no. They saw him as too dangerous, too threatening, okay, because he was always working. Okay, leaders pursue their vision with energy because there rises a passion within them. Okay, one of the things that we, that we encourage around here in the core and the committed is a thing called a personal ministry. Not everything you do has to be part of this. Okay, on Monday morning, I teach at Revive. That's a personal ministry, not a ministry of this church. It's something that I like to do. Uh, um, I, I, I love to teach guys that are getting their lives together. Love to, it's a class called Christian Manhood. I teach it there at Revive. I love it. I've been doing that for 12 years now. Okay. Um, another thing is the, 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 the mission. Uh, I'm part of a church planning organization called Asian Church Planning Mission that's centered in Nepal and India and Pakistan. And we've planted 750, 800 churches uh, since 2012 over in those areas. That has nothing to do with this church. Well, recently the church has kind of gotten on board with it, but back in 2012, that, there, that had nothing to do with this church. Okay, personal ministry. There are people that have missions in Haiti, people that have, that have uh, personal missions, uh, building wells. Uh, there are people that have personal mission fields of foster care and everything outside of our church. It's called a personal mission field, and that's what we want, okay? Um, and uh, and it's, it's just amazing to see that. They're energetic. They're never stopping. They're never boring. They go, and they go, and they go because they know the call of God. Is it doesn't wait for anyone. The third thing is this if you're going to be a core and committed, you have to be determined to persevere. Core and committed is not for the faint of heart. Leadership is not easy. There are people that make it look easy, and I envy them, but I know it's not easy. John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus says this, the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. One of the most depressing things in leadership, and, you, and if you haven't figured this out yet, you will. Most depressing things in leadership is realizing the more you care about something, the lonelier you are. The further you are willing to go to see your dream through, the more dedicated you are, the fewer people will walk that road with you. That's discouraging. And also makes the leader, if he's not careful, she's not careful. Listen, it'll make him critical of people around you. If you're incredibly passionate about missions and you think everyone should do missions, everybody should be as passionate as you, you're going to get mad when people don't get on board. You're going to accuse them of being lukewarm. Not hearing from the Holy Spirit. I've heard it. I've probably said a few things like that in my heart before. That's the first reaction because you're passionate about it, because you believe in it so strongly. The first reaction is to judge the people around you. Make sure you don't do that, leaders. Okay? Because not everyone will see the importance of what you think is important. That's okay. Don't be discouraged. Just understand the more passionate you are about something, the fewer people will, will, will go with you. It's a rule of leadership. Okay? If it doesn't mean they're lukewarm or uncommitted. It just means they have a different commitments than you do. Second, 
after, after judging everybody for not being as passionate as you, the second thing you have to understand is that you always have roadblocks. The more dedicated you are, the more Satan will try to stop you. Okay? People don't understand your passion. People actually hope you'll fail. There were people back in 2008 that were, that were hungry to watch our church fail. I don't know why. Back when we were getting started, there were people that, that just were, were just looking gleefully, hoping we'd close our doors, hoping we'd fall apart. That's pretty sick. Fortunately, we proved them wrong. But uh, any, anything you want to leave with passion will garner criticism. Persevere past it. One of my favorite prayers that I pray about every week was, uh, was uh, written by an elderly country preacher. And he said this, Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log and ribs like the large timbers under the church floor. Put, a, put iron shoes on my feet and galvanized britches on my legs. Give me a rhinoceros hide for a skin and hang up a wagon load of determination in the gable end of my soul. Help me, this is my favorite, help me sign the contract to fight the devil as long as I've got a tooth and then gum him till I die. <laughs> now that's a prayer, all right? And one of the legends at Asbury Seminary when I was there, a guy named J.T. Siemens, and the story, he was legendary for his missions in India. And he was a young man. He went to his first mission in India. He got called back home on furlough to give a report to his, to his church. This was back in the, in the 20s and 30s or 40s, whenever it was. And they, they, he had no results of his ministry. He had no baptisms. He was not uh, reaching anybody, it seemed like. And so his church board deemed his mission a failure, and they would not be financially supporting him to send him back. And they had already given him a church to pastor here in America. And JT, at age 21, looked at the board and he said, God, uh, you did not call me to, you all did not call me to India. God called me to India. So what you say makes no difference. And he left the meeting, refused the pastorate he was given, started raising his own money, and went back and lived in India permanently. At the time of his death, he had baptized more than 500,000 people into Christ over in India. He was determined to persevere. Courageous leader knows well the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The fourth quality of leader is optimistic. Optimistic. All right, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus all throughout all generations forever and ever. To him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. You believe that as a core committed person, that, you're, that, that God has got it, that you serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and therefore the sky isn't even the limit. See, courageous leaders are incredible optimists. They have to be. They're people who believe that God works everything to the good of those who love him and obey. Right? They believe this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Guys, Eeyore would not make a good leader. Okay? And, 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 and seriously, you cannot be a pessimist and lead. All right? Courageous leaders, corn committed, or optimists because they know who's calling the shots. And they know who's running the show. That faith in God leads to optimism. And I, can, I, can I tell you something personally that, that bothers me? Uh, this, this, is, and, and th this is not in the Bible, okay? This is, don't, don't say that this was in the Word of God because not. This, is, this is me speaking right now, okay? And one of the frustrating things about, I hear from so many leaders, just track with me here, 
is how they fall all over themselves to let everyone know how imperfect they are, how they screwed up, how they don't have it all together. And that's okay to a point because nobody's perfect and nobody likes a pretentious you know, actor. No one likes that. But can you imagine William Wallace, who in the movie Braveheart, you know, was, was about face, you know, facing down the English at Sterling. They've got their professional army, the cavalry, their uniforms, everything. He's got a ragtag bunch of farmers and, and, and laborers, and, and they're, they're outnumbered two to one or three to one. Can you imagine William Wallace looking at his troops and saying, hey, guys, you know, I'm just not perfect. Matter of fact, I, I, I lose as many battles as I win. Uh, I, I, you know, let me tell you about the time where I just really screwed things up. Do you think that that army would be inspired? No, they would tuck tail and run. Okay? Courageous leaders radiate optimism, and they have confidence in their calling and their faith. I'm not saying to not be real, but how about we stop falling all over ourselves to, to, to tell people how bad we are and instead start inspiring people to say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ, okay? Because honestly, when I was a young man, I, I, I was always looking for someone to take me where I, where I wasn't, where I know I could go, and all I heard were guys saying, oh, I'm not perfect, I can't do it, you know, don't, don't look at me. I'm like, well, okay, I get it. And they were trying to be real, they're trying to, I get it, but no one took the time to lead Okay, guys, when I was a young man, I wanted leaders to challenge me to go where it was dangerous, to show me by their lives what it, what it meant to truly follow God. I wanted leaders who inspired me to go further than I ever thought possible, who, who, to, who I, to be someone I never thought I could be, I would never thought that I could do, who inspired me to greater faith. That's the kind of leader that I was looking for, and instead I heard a bunch of apologies of how imperfect they were. And I get it, you're not perfect, but lead, inspire me, okay? See, guys, what I've found is that people don't follow titles. They don't. You guys won't follow me because I'm the senior pastor. You guys will follow my example if I'm leading you to Christ. This is where you want to go. People don't follow titles, they follow courage. And 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I, when I read that, sometimes I ask, I wonder why that isn't happening more in my life. Why unbelievers aren't coming up to me and saying, hey, you have hope. Why? You ever wonder why that's not more of a reality in your life too? Could it be that the world sees us hoping in the same things that they hope in? They're, they're looking at you with your depression and anxiety and your, your brokenness and everything like that, and, 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 and they, they see, well, I mean, I, I just see you valuing the same things I value. I see you reading the same news stories. I, I, I see you reacting to life the same way I do. I see, you rea I see your home looking a lot like mine. Why would I ask you for the reason for your hope? I see no difference between you and me. And guys, leaders, leaders are people that can give the reason for the hope that they have because their hope is in something different than what the world hopes in. Courageous leaders hope in one place, Jesus Christ. Whenever I get discouraged, you guys, I go back to something that a mentor, an inspiration, an example of mine when I was in college gave me. 
When I was in college, I was part of FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and our sponsor was a man named Steel Harmon. I don't know if anyone knows who Steel Harmon is. He's a legend in this area. He's in the, he's in the Center College Hall of Fame, Athletic Hall of Fame. He loves college students. He's probably in his 80s or 90s now, and he is still working with FCA, reaching college students. He is passionate about them. He loves them. And he was, the, he was such an inspiration to me as I was taking my first steps in the faith. And he, he had this little printout. It was done on a ditto machine. Yeah. And you guys knew exactly what I did when I got it. Right? Yeah? Are you Gen Xers? Yeah? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got you. But when I'm discouraged, I pull that old mimeograph thing from almost 30 years ago. And I read it, and it says this. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast, and I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, learn by faith, love by patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way, of rough, way is rough, my companion is few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, but hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, uh, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, uh, uh, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till he returns, give until I drop, Preach until all know and work until he returns. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's the mantra. That's the marching orders of the core and the committed. And I pray that that is the marching orders you receive today. Guys, we are called to move to the right. We're not supposed to stay where we are. If you are in the community, your church member, been hanging out in that community for a while, I'm going to ask you to move into the core. If you've been in the core, been serving, I'm going to ask you to step up and start leading. And if you don't know what to lead, find someone in the casual crowd and start discipling them and help them move to the right. That's what the church is.